SMQB's episode 83, breaking news. The Sunday morning quarterbacks don't cover sports anymore because sports just exist to make you miserable. Just kidding. It's NFL week three. We talk about our Plaxico locks, cover college football, the President's Club, talk baseball, a punchable face, came up just a little short on a lasso. Happy birthday, Brian Pope. Stay safe, Milk. Check us out. Leave us five stars. Thanks for listening. And from the people, climb up on the booth. Singing from the people on the people. My head's the roof. Dancing on the ceiling on the people. I got people on the... Dancing on the people. I got people. SMQBs, this is episode 83. Bison, yes, Bison. Your quarterback is the worst quarterback in the NFL. I know, Bison. Your team is terrible, too. Yes, this is also true. You have no hope this season. Yes, I'm aware. Okay, now that we got that out of the way. That's not fair. There's really nothing nothing else I can say about any of your quarterbacks this week. So I'm just going to take it. I'm going to take it and... Nine sacks, bro. We have a little uh, update for our listeners. Uh, The SMQBs is no longer covering sports. We will be presenting updates (laughs) on the Met Opera schedule this year and other more meaningful endeavors because sports sucks. And I hate us. And the holiday Hallmark movies, which is uh, upcoming. Always a big hit. In case you haven't noticed, fans, Bison is taking the uh, commander situation very hard. Situation is exactly, exactly how I would refer to it. So I'm surprised. I, I thought we were going to start with saying like, oh, so whose team won this week? And, you know, Pope says, well, mine didn't play yet. And, you know, Rooster says mine didn't play yet. And I said, I won. You said, yeah, me too. Because you announced to our fans officially that you're now a Dolphins fan. Right. That's true. I don't think I announced that officially anywhere. <laughs> but you did right, say my Dolphins. We- before we get to the train wreck of the NFL season, um, we do have to talk about number 83, episode 83 here. And this number 83 received four scholarships to college, baseball, basketball, football, and academics. He accept, accepted the academic scholarship and was an honors math and physics major. Wow. He was a stand-up defensive end, three-time All-American, 66, 67, and 68, finished fifth in the 1968 Heisman voting. Hmm. He is a four-time Super Bowl champion, four-time okay, first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, eight-times Pro Bowler. He won the George Hallis Award. Basically, any... NFL um, <clears throat> accolade he received. Now let's get serious. His nickname. I'm so confused. Here it comes. His nick- nickname is the Mad Stork. Oh, Ted. Ted Hendricks. That doesn't yes. mean anything to me. Mad Stork. Ted wow. Hendricks. Good one. Good one, Rooster. But he put, where did he win all these Super Bowls? He was on the Raiders. He was on the Colts. Oh, right. 69 to 73, the Packers in 74, and then Oakland LA Raiders. Okay. So, uh, yeah. And um, pretty impressive, though. They had all those scholarships. Yeah. And also, um, by the way, Pope, since you said that you don't know uh, anything about him, the Mad uh, Stork. I know who Ted Hendricks is. Okay. Because I was going to say, I think the. uh, isn't it that the Ted Hendricks Award is given out to the uh, best defensive end in uh, in college football every year? Got me. I think that's what it's called. I think it's the uh, – I'm trying to see if I can confirm that. But anyway, yeah, the Ted Hendricks Award is annually given to college football's top DN. I just assumed it so. would be a receiver, number eight. Yeah, me three. too. Me too. Yeah, who, were close, who were close runners up? Um. I think really the only one that jumped out was Andre Reed. Yeah, I was going to say Andre Reed. Wasn't uh, Mark Clayton 83? Oh, I don't know. Was he? Dolphin, for your Dolphins, you should know. Or Super Duper. <laughs> <My> dolphins. <laughs> Mark Duper. <laughs> My Dolphins. Okay. Anyway, uh, Pope, happy birthday. 
First happy birthday, birthday, Pope. birthday, Pope. Happy birthday, Pope. Happy birthday, buddy. Thanks, guys. Just uh, getting Oh, he just, oh, lost, he his birthday. He lost his, just on his, his birthday, birthday he muted himself. Mute himself. Yeah. Up, oh, still muted. Oh wow. Well. well, it was a great birthday. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, well. Did you guys welcome uh, with the 50th birthday? That's awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, we just yeah, covered, yeah. we just covered college football. <laughs> yeah, while well, you're out. <laughs> well, listen. Um, let's get this shit show on the road, house. NFL week three. First say that uh, by the time this airs, there will be more people on the run than just milk from uh, Tampa and other parts of Florida. So we hope all of our listeners down there are doing okay. That's why we're missing milk today. Um, But And then there were three undefeated teams left (sighs) in the NFL, and it could be two pending this evening's game between the vaunted New York football giants and the Dallas Cowgirls. But if the Giants lose that game and they're over, only favored by one at home, then we are down to the Miami Dolphins with, I don't know what you guys thought, but somewhat shocking upset of the Bills mm-hmm. and one Philadelphia Eagles. And, and what's the common um, denominator between those two teams? The common denominator, and Pope, you know, I was going to say something about that today. <laughs> Besides the fact that they're quarterbacked by Alabama players, Tua oh, there you go. and Jalen, I got to say something for a second. This is, and it's not just because it's his birthday. And we probably talked about this before on this pod about the quality of SEC football players and, and the transition to the NFL. And obviously, lots of teams have won Super Bowls without. SEC players, but the Eagles turnaround, you can almost point it like up and down the road on both sides of the ball. The Eagles turnaround is based basically SEC players. Uh, I mean, Landon Dickerson has changed their offensive line. Jordan Davis is already contributing mightily uh, in the middle of their defensive line. Devontae Smith, AJ Brown, Jalen Hurts. I mean, you have, you have to say if you're a GM and you can pick an SEC player from Alabama or Georgia or one of the other top schools that year in the SEC in the first or second round. I'd be curious to see what the stats are. Well, whether they miss or no, they're not very no good doubt. in Washington. They're not very good in Washington. <laughs> I mean, we've got a basically all Alabama defense playing and it's yeah. not very good. I think you're bad despite those guys though. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, the giants are the giants offensive line right now with a, a first and second year tackle both from Alabama is better than it's been at any point in the last five years. It's pretty remarkable how it can just turn around the fortunes of the team. But you know, I don't want to be accused of being a Homer for our teams on the pod, but the Eagles, we, we, well, we all saw it firsthand. On the 83rd episode, you're going to say You're worried about that now? (laughs) Wearing a Philly hat for listeners and a Philly (laughs) shirt for listeners. We all have a chance to watch and observe objectively. And even I am surprised by how much leaps and bounds the Eagles have taken from last season and specific one, specifically one Jalen Hurts. The NFL has a long way to go. There's a lot of football to be played. But if the NFL season ended today, I'm pretty sure Jalen Hurts would would be the NFL MVP. After three games, I mean, he's been that good. I can't believe it myself. I, I, I mean, I, I knew he was athletic guy, and I knew he had some talent in him. But anybody that was from Bama said the guy can't throw the ball, right. can't complete the, the long passes, and lo and behold, that that's what he's been. He's been the best long passer in the NFL so far. They they look very very good. I, I don't know what you guys thought firsthand, trying to be as objective as possible. Well, I'm trying to let, uh, I'm trying to let you have your moment, but three games yeah. in, and we're talking with the MVP shit. I mean, no, no, he's be, he's been the best player in the NFL for three weeks. That's all I'm saying. Well, but Lamar, Lamar Jackson might have something. Yeah, to say about Lamar him, might but be, might be up. There I, I don't I don't quibble with you completely. Putting him aside, though, I'm not surprised how good they are for for the first three games, given their off season. I mean, they plugged it. You guys plugged every hole you needed to plug with good players starting when you got Bradbury from the giants. And then you got that safety from the saints. I mean, 
every position that needed to be improved was was improved. It wasn't just filled; it was improved. I think I think you guys are stacked. If you lose one game, you should be ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> you know, they'll, it, it'll be interesting to see because the next one I want to chat with you guys about is, and we've been talking about for a couple of weeks about how we're impressed with the improvement, but holy crap, the Jaguars. Doug Peterson's Jags. Oh, yeah. I, I listened to that game all the way back from our visit to the Commander's Eagles game. God bless uh, Laura. Was she asleep? Yeah, no, I was though. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to pull, I had to pull over once. <laughs> That's because you listen to an NFL game <laughs> on the radio. But the Jags punched the Chargers in the mouth. It wasn't just that Trevor Lawrence seems to arrive with Doug Peterson's help. The defense knocked the shit out of Justin Herbert on almost every play. I mean, I can't believe that Staley had Herbert out there when the game was out of hand. And they, you know, they still have the same team doctor who almost killed Terod Taylor. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, th- th- they're trying to kill this guy. The game, there's a minute left in the game. The game's out of hand and they've got him out there taking hit after hit after hit. Um, I, it just makes no sense to me. I, I think the chargers are in deep trouble. They, they lost Bosa and, uh, they're starting offensive tackle. What's that guy's name? Rashawn Slater Slater. I mean, they're yeah. in trouble. They're in trouble. And their offensive line is like a sieve. They're in big trouble. But the Jags, on the other hand, um, their running back uh, ran off another 50-plus yard run. Guy who had the yeah. Achilles last year or the knee. J-Rob. Yeah. J-Rob. Yeah, James Robinson. Yeah. Passing game looks great. The running game's solid. And the defense is good. I mean, they're, they're a good team. They, well, they could they, give you some trouble next week. Yeah, they're going to be about to be tested, huh? Yeah. They will be tested for sure. Although Doug Peterson's one hell of a coach, he's quickly turned around the girl. I mean, Trevor Lawrence looks for real, but now I'm curious. Yes, we're only three games in, but what do we make of the AFC West? I mean, yes, we can. I think the I think the Raiders, we can kind of cross off. They're a dumpster fire, but the Broncos have a stout defense if Russell Wilson can figure out at all how to throw the ball again maybe they can make noise he was getting know, booed again by by at home they're just, they're often stagnant they're terrible and i don't know what to say about the the chiefs I, I, that that loss to me is shocking i mean really really shocking the colts i didn't think were a very good team how does this happen well, we thought the Colts would be a surprise team going into the season, and they, you know, stumbled the first two games. It looked horrible, but yeah, they still the talent. They, they looked awful, right? I mean, it was uh, a shocker, but they still, I mean, they still have the talent. Question I was is, listening they put to, it together. I was listening to a commentator this morning who said the Chiefs outplayed the Colts and the Bills outplayed the Dolphins, so don't overreact to either loss. Mm. Well, the, those uh, two losses, well, not not so much the Dolphins, but certainly the Chiefs' loss, uh, the Chargers' loss. I mean, the NFL is absolutely in, in any given Sunday uh, week. We had, uh, I'll tell you, the team who is spiraling to the basement is the Saints. Yeah. I don't know that. I don't know that Jameis can be their quarterback. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, are they get, they converted Taysom Hill essentially to a tight end? Are they going to throw him in all of a sudden? I mean, I don't know what that team does. Baker Mayfield gets his first win for the Panthers. I don't know if they should be doing a parade because the Saints stink. They do. Um, well, to, to your to your point, House on the uh, any given Sunday, I I did a little dive into three weeks into 2021. How many undefeated teams do you think there were? Well, that's a good I question. Think last year. I think were there five last year? Bingo. Five. Raiders. Oh, yeah. and three. Broncos. Rams. Cards and Panthers. None of those mm. teams are yeah, dominant they, this year. And they folded like a tent. And after those, remember the Broncos were five and oh, and then they lost a bunch in a row. How about yeah, the Rams? Broncos? And the, yeah. I mean, the cards were nine and the and Panthers. Out. Everyone thought that uh, what's his name that quarterback was having a resurgence, 
because he was four and zero or five and zero. And who boom. Cam? No, who was their quarterback last year on the Panthers? Oh, Ford, it was former um, Jets guy. Yeah. Oh, uh, on the Panthers, it was uh, Darnold. Yeah, Sam Darnold. Yeah. Yeah. Sam I can't Darnold. remember his name anymore. Right. He's so yeah. bad. Out of the league. And this year, like you said, there's two, maybe three. three. Oh, he's getting, he's getting cocky. He's getting cocky. Pretty what cocky you, for a one and one team. Do you think, and, and Pope, I think you raised this the other day, but do you think that the, the shortened preseason and the way teams are approaching preseason has anything to do with this? I mean, let, let me let me ask this. House, did the how did the Eagles approach preseason? Did they play everybody? I think Jalen Hurts had one series the entire preseason. The, the, everybody, all the starters pretty much sat the entire preseason. I thought you guys played like a good quarter just to to uh, kick the tires. No, they, they had that series, and I forget. I don't even remember right now what team it was where someone got fined for hitting Jalen out of bounds. Uh, I, I don't even remember which game it was. It was the Jets, I guess. And uh, Jalen went on a run, and someone hit him out of bounds, took a really hard hit. It was a scare, and that was it. That was it. That was the first series he played, and that was done for the whole hmm. preseason. But well, I, mean, I, 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 I think that point about the preseason is, is interesting, but since there's no dominant teams – now, I mean, it's kind of hard to correlate preseason, you know, the using the starters and treating it like a real opportunity I mean, Eagle, for your starters Eagles, to get practice. The Eagles look pretty dominant. Yeah. At right, least they the last two weeks. They, it sounds like they didn't use the preseason like we were thinking some other teams had where they played their players on a more regular basis. Right. I think the Dolphins were airing it out during the preseason to a two at a Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Tua was. Definitely working preseason with with uh, Reek and Waddle, so I mean, it seems like that's paid off. Yep. So, I think though, you know, it's interesting, and and um, I mean, House, you're right. The Jalen looks great. Uh, it's painful for me to admit it, although I, I will say this: I, I'm pretty on solid footing. Saying I always like the guy. He's he always seems like a good like a good kid, and as happy as I can be for any Eagle player, I'm happy to see him succeed because it seems like he's worked hard at it and, and he had a lot of adversity in college. Um, but having said that, we know sort of how he got manhandled in the playoffs last year and three weeks in, you could see both Tua and Jalen regressing. I mean, there's a lot of football left is is my only point on this is, is that it wouldn't be shocking to see those two teams yeah, make the playoffs, but maybe not be as as dominant as they as they have been. I mean, at this point. But I already see some progression since last season. Where I don't think Jalen was reading the middle of the field very well last year, and he was just just trying to go deep outside to Devonta Smith. He's got now that he's got uh, AJ Brown. My God, the middle of the field is where he's making his living. Yeah, he's he's uh there was a great there's a great great um video that came out this morning from one of the NFL films breakdowns, but he's keeping the game simple. Uh the the touchdown pass they threw to AJ Brown on third and eight at the goal um was just beautiful elemental uh using Devontae Smith to pull a couple receivers into the end zone and just a straight slant pattern from AJ Brown. He's keeping the game simple. Uh, but you're right, Bison. I I don't know who's going to be the best defense in the weeks ahead. It'll probably be the Packers. Their defense is very, very impressive. I think throwing uh, Jalen at a very tough defensive coordinator and seeing how he handles that. And the same goes for Tua. Um, I, I got to say about the Packers, I don't know how much of that game you guys watched. I've been saying it for a couple of weeks, and I, I hate to take shots. Well, actually, I love it taking shots when milk's on here. But um, <laughs> that that team, yes, I, I get it. Godwin's hurt. Mike Evans was out, but those guys have been in the game, and the offense hasn't been that impressive. There's something off on that team's o- offense. I don't know if it's missing Gronk. I don't know if it's, they really are not getting Lenny Fournette going. I don't know what it is, but that offense is off, and the defense is the only one keeping them in games. Did you guys see any of that game? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I, I mean, 
I think that's the thing about a Brady team, though. There's been a lot of early parts of the season where Brady offense hasn't looked great, and they get it together, and particularly without any of his weapons. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think you can you can make very big uh, um, statements about the Bucks offense at this point. I agree with that, but on the other hand, I disagree with Milk. I don't care what anyone says. When you replace four of your five offensive linemen with backups, mm. you're not as you're just not as good at parts of 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 the game. And maybe it's the run game. You know, maybe they're doing a decent job protecting Brady, and he's got no one to throw it to. But you're right, Fournette is not get. He's getting hit as soon as he takes the ball. I also like. The game I cannot wait to see in this week ahead is the Thursday night game of the Dolphins at the Bengals because yep. yes, mm-hmm. it's, it yes, it's the Jets, but I think Joe Burrow woke up and uh, the Bengals look like the Bengals a lot more like the Bengals of last year. So if if I'm pretty sure, yeah, the Bengals are at home in that game. So uh, home crowd under the lights. That is going to be fun to watch to see if the Dolphins can keep this thing up against the you know sleeping giant who woke up Bengals. We'll see. That'll be a fun one. It's really a must-win for the Bengals. They, I mean, they need to even it up and go two and two. Dolphins yeah, can afford one. to. Yeah, Mixon's right. hurt. Joe Mixon probably won't play. Well, that that'll definitely affect things for sure because they got to keep him honest with somebody in the backfield. Uh, another giant that woke up this week was Derrick Henry. Uh, we saw him running the way we know Derrick Henry can run again. So that was good to see for the for the Titans. I still think that team's going to struggle. It's only beating the Raiders, but um, yeah, it's good to see stars like that showing back up. Now we haven't talked about the 49ers yet, but that was that was a step on dick loss. That was a bad loss last night. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Really, to really a, a not a very good Broncos team. Like in the beginning of the game, I was like, the Broncos look like ass. Yeah. I, what, I went to bed thinking that game was it was t- eleven to ten. Eleven, eleven, to, 11 10. to ten, right? I mean, Jimmy G, you know, like I don't know, first or second drive moved them down, no problem. Uh, touchdown pass to Ayuk. I thought they were going to route them. I, I don't know what happened. Did you see? Did you guys see the play where Jimmy G literally ran out of the end zone, just not keeping track of where he was? Uh, it, 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 he did not have to take that much of a backdrop uh into the end zone and he just kept backing up until he literally stood out so that it was a safety and all over the internet this morning is dan orlovsky the old quarterback getting off the schneid because he basically ran across the back line of the end zone once and got called from the same safety but that is not i don't know whether you want to say that's rust from him not playing or what that that was a bad loss that was a bad play by the niners i don't know it puts him in a Puts them in a tough spot because they got they're hosting the Rams next week. That's a huge yeah. game because if the Niners go down one and three, I'm a hard time digging yeah. out from underneath that. That it turns out that was a fortuitous safety though because he threw a pick six on that play. Right, that's true. <laughs> well, the so last thing I'll say, you know, yeah, go ahead, House. No, I just want to say the last thing. My observation of the NFL is, you know, we always do that kind of mathematics of who lost to who lost to who try to figure it out. You really can't yet. It's why the NFL is so amazing. I mean, the commanders who just look just pathetic, the last actually six quarters, I don't know, six out of the last eight quarters. Um, they beat the Jags who are an impressive team. Uh, the, the Vikings who looked lost against the Eagles last week, beat the lions uh, and the lions, you know, look like they have some offense. So I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what to make of the Vikings. I don't know what to make the Jags. And I don't know what to make of the commanders. I, I, well, what I can say is that Bison nailed it last week. It's kind of sad to see about Carson, but the guy can't put four quarters together. And we all saw it firsthand. He was incapable of looking off receivers and holding onto the ball too long. And late in the game, when it was garbage time, he was making some really nice throws. When he, when he, when the game comes to him, he makes some nice throws. But I don't, Bison. What's your prediction as to how long they stay with him? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, you know, I think 
When you think about the NFL, I think you got to look in like quarters of the season. And of course, this was easier when it was a nice 16 games. Now we're, we're at 17 now. But even so, it, it's it's still hard to understand what a team's going to be after three games. I mean, he looked terrible. He also got sacked nine times yesterday. I mean, how much and, – and Toby, you were saying it during the game, and a lot of the post-game criticism has been similar, is that, you know – Clearly, the Eagles' offensive line or defensive line was manhandling Washington's offensive line. There were no changes to you know to rollouts to to bootlegs to uh, uh, three step drops. I mean, it just it, it didn't seem like they they just got out coached in a lot of it. Um, so it's it's hard to really say how long they're going to stick with Carson because I think they they're pretty committed to him right now. I mean. I loved watching Taylor Heineke because he was like the little the little engine that could, you know, but he that guy doesn't have an NFL caliber arm. Um, he can't make the throws uh, that, that Carson can. Uh, I don't think Sam Howell's ready for them. They're, they're not after three games. They're not going to throw in the towel on the Carson experience yet. I mean, they won one game and they but for a bad half, you know, they they actually put a good half together against Detroit. Um so we got uh, – you're not going to see any changes until halfway through the season in the quarterback position. And, and even then, I'd, I'd be surprised. What about the coaching staff? I mean, you're calling you know, for it, right? I, Del, Del Rio, out. I don't, I don't see how you can keep this st- – this is year three. This isn't supposed to be – baby steps forward at this point. You're These are the guys, you know, Ron Rivera, who again, seems like a stand-up guy. Um, he's put the players, he's picked the players, you know, they didn't do anything to really bolster the defense in the off season. Unlike what the Eagles did, Rooster, to your point about plugging all the holes, we still have the same crap uh, uh, linebackers. The offensive line has a couple injuries and they don't have anybody who can go in there and play. Um, I, I think if it, everything goes back to Dan Snyder, I don't even know how to talk about this team and this franchise without going back to him. Um, if you I, you if won't resign a, older players who, you know, like, um, who is that guard? That Brandon Sheriff. Yeah. That guy's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, so, you know, I, I think if this was a real franchise, by week eight, I would see that the whole the whole regime should be changed. If they're not, you know, if they're not, they don't have a winning record or if they're not playing better, that won't happen. It just won't happen. I mean, I don't even know who's running the team. Dan Snyder is so desperately courting the other NFL owners right now, uh, trying to keep hold of the team that that he's not even worried about what's happening on the field or in his stadium, I don't think. Everything that guy does is a fraud. Everything he does is to protect his own ass. Um, he And so keeping Ron Rivera, he's going to do it probably because he wants to show stability to the owners. But I don't know. It's it's just it's a it's been 25 years of a train wreck, 25 years. And I think two playoff wins to show for it. And they get worse week after week. There's nothing positive to say about the team. Nothing. Not a single thing. I'm so thankful it came out on the pod because we we got the firsthand experience of the rant. I'm glad our listeners yeah. get to hear that. Yeah. Was, that was actually fairly tame. Yeah. <laughs> I'm beaten down today. Well, listen. If only that Philly we... fan behind him had been here on the pod <laughs> would get him blood going. <laughs> that stupid oh. son of a bitch. I mean, there we go. Big... Oh, here we go. <laughs> the only reason. The only reason I didn't get up and go back there was because he was about seven seats in and it just looked like too much fucking work to get to him. So, you know, that's that's all I'll say on that. <laughs> He's lucky he wasn't well, didn't have the end seat. The uh the commanders have one of the many, many marquee matchups for next week. We are gonna have one hell of a pod recap for next week because besides the Dolphins Bengals, you have the upstart Jags at the Eagles. If the Giants win tonight, uh, they could go to four and zero at home against the Bears next week. That's right. Uh, who are who are by the way two and one? Yeah, the figure the yeah. Bears. Right. You, you've got Bears have Titans. a better record than Niners. The 
The, the best thing that happened to me yesterday in football was that I got outside the district before I had a chance to place any bets and couldn't and couldn't log in and get it done. That's about the only good thing that happened yesterday. You, you got the Titans and the Colts holding on for dear life in the AFC South. The Commanders with their rivalry game at the Cowgirls, who, again, if they lose, it's a must win for them, too. And do they get Dak back by that game? You've got the no. the bill. You've got the Bills smarting from a tough loss, going at the Ravens, who want to prove that they can really be with the big boys in the AFC. And you've got Chiefs at Bucks on Sunday night, and then the AFC, uh, excuse me, the NFC Championship game rematch: Rams at 49ers. What yeah. a week of football next week! The Bills Raven is is going to be a slugfest. Both Should tough be. defenses. Yeah, uh, Ravens should be undefeated, except for the choke against uh, Miami. Historic. Mm-hmm. So, anybody else? What? Anybody else? Observations from Week Three in the NFL? Patriots are done. Yeah, yeah, really They're awful. Matt, well, by the Matt way, Jones just, is hurt. Yeah, I was going to say, and on that point, you know, talking about the, the the Dolphins. I mean, what's up with Tua? That's kind of a weird story. Um, what happened there? I mean, Tua, you know, looks like he has a, a head injury and starts the concussion protocol, but then t- comes back in the game and says it was his back. And then he says he tweaked his back again. And so now he's questionable for Thursday night. Uh, what the hell's going on here? Right. Was he, did he have his bell rung or not? I think there's going to be an investigation into, into what was going on there because teams, you can't skirt those concussion protocols. You know, well, the NFL like that. PA has already announced they're looking into it. The the should, yeah, should, but if you actually you look at that play, the the defender pushed him hand to chest, full with his arm fully extended. There was absolutely absolutely no contact. He just pushed him. Two have fell backwards, kind of gently, and his head went back. But everyone's saying it bounced off the turf. I I don't think it bounced off the turf. It, I could I could see that not a not being any kind of a concussion, but he did he did look like he was disoriented when he fell down. Yeah, well, that's he'll, a weird story. There's going to be more. There'll be more to hear about that, though. Yeah, if it's well, if his nerves in his back were that bad that he his legs went out and he was woozy, that's that could be serious. Yeah, yeah. I I just I think that the NFL is such a transactional league week to week now. It's so hard to come up with long-term trends because every week they get punctured in these amazing games and finals, you know, that you're just not expecting. And that's what I think makes the NFL just the best thing and going right now, period. Yep. But so the cream does seem to rise to the top at the end. At the end. But you know, yeah. it's a lot of fun getting there. Depending on yeah. the health of, of the star quarterbacks. Of the cream, yeah. 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 Which is why All Brandon right, Staley may lose his job at the end of this year. Right. All right, House, we got to cover our locks, right? Yeah, guys. Do we really need we're, to. Are we, ba- are we yeah, back into, into SMQB form here? It, 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 we are, with, with the exception of one guy who's shockingly two and one, that is uh, yours truly. Everybody else has fallen to one and two because three people won on the Chiefs bandwagon at minus seven and dropped to one and two. And Pope took the commanders plus four. <laughs> I don't know what. I had to have been. Maybe I need to enter the concussion protocol for the league. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. So I will get us uh, kicked off in week four with the lead at two and one. I am, uh, I, I am buying into the Vikings, and I'm definitely buying against the Saints. The Saints suck, and I'm going to take the Vikings as road warriors minus two and a half in week four. You know where they're playing like, that game? Tottenham. Oh, they're playing over in the yeah in Tottenham. Yeah, yeah. So I, I still, I think the Saints don't have much to offer, and I think the Vikings have too much. Even even if Dalvin Cook is hurt, who who may be hurt, but I I still think they have enough firepower. So we'll kick it over to uh, Bison. Who do you have for Week Four? Well, this may sound like a uh, a bitter um, a bitter reaction, but I'm going with Jacksonville getting <clears throat> six and a half. Whoa! Get Getting six and a half 
Uh, I just think that's too many points. So I'm taking uh, Jacksonville with the points over the Eagles. They've got a good D. You may be right there. Uh, our our correspondent running from the hurricane, Milk, is going to, as he said, he's seen enough of the commanders. He's going with the Cowgirls minus 3.0. Minus three points for, for the Cowgirls. That's Milk's pick. Pope? Well, once I saw Milk jumping uh, off the commander's bandwagon, what a shock that was. Um, I... I don't have it. I haven't seen what the Cowboys have to offer tonight, obviously, but I've seen more than I need to of the commanders to realize that they, they absolutely suck balls. So um, (laughs) I'm I'm happy to give them three uh, at Jerry world. Okay. What about you, Rooster? What's the line in the giants bears game? Two and a half giants right now are listed as a three they're three uh favorite three point three point favorite and then what's the line in the browns falcons game (laughs) browns are favorites by two on the road at the falcons yeah i'm gonna stick with the the g-men all right yeah i love it neither one of us have seen their product on the field this week right with them next week By the way, that that um, that's everybody, right? You got them all house. Yep. yep. That that Washington Dallas line minus three at home. I mean, that's that's crazy. That's saying that. Yeah, I mean, that's saying that's the better saying that that Washington's winning that game. Somebody didn't watch Carson standing in cement for four quarters. I, I got like sack, to tell you, sack nine I mean, times. That Micah Parsons is salivating over that prospect. Yeah, next holy week. smokes. Yeah. I think they're saying that's a placeholder until they see the, because that line could change a lot. If the Cowboys play well tonight, that that's going to be double that line. That's, that's, maybe that's I should true. just throw a bunch of money on it right now. We'll okay, see guys. But, we'll see. Know, that's we'll betting see. on Cooper rush. That's right. That's right. That could be a get right game for Washington too. All right. Um, anything else on the NFL? That's it. Okay. All right. So uh, I may or may not be back next week. If, if after another uh, game like yesterday, if I even watch, <laughs> uh, I, I may just not come. So uh, Pope, it's your birthday. You want to talk college football. So we've decided to let you Oh Well, uh, God, you guys are so generous. <laughs> <laughs> Alabama's dropped a third. There we go. No, Next. Bama hadn't dropped a third. They destroyed a really <laughs> bad Vandy team. I mean, the the you know top three didn't have any. Although Georgia got, now nah, they got they played with their food a little bit with Kent State, but they're they're still who they are. And Ohio State always is going to be right there, waiting to lose in the semis of the college football playoffs. But I digress. Um, <laughs> What I thought was interesting, and we talked about this a little bit uh, over the weekend, was uh, you had the middle tier of the top 10 have all kinds of problems on Saturday. A couple, you know, survived barely. OU uh, lost at home in Norman to K-State, who, well, if you, you know, do the math on it, K-State is coming off of a bruising loss to Roll Wave. Tulane. Nobody saw that coming. OU at home losing to K-State. So uh, not sure they're out of the talk for the playoffs, but certainly the back burner for now. Michigan, uh, who always seems like they stumble at some point in the year over a a team that you don't expect, should have almost lost to Maryland, who not that good a team. Clemson should have lost to Wake Forest. They won in overtime, double overtime. Uh, but uh, they were on the ropes. Um, you know, Wake Forest is a lot better than what we thought. Uh, uh, and then USC had to score in the last second touchdown to beat Oregon State. Um, that was your four, five, six, and seven teams. So uh, the, we, de- we had a shuffle, and into the top 10 comes some really interesting SEC Eastern teams uh, that, for the first time, the SEC East actually has more teams in the top 10, the SEC West. I can't even remember when that happened last, but Kentucky, who we've all been watching, um, they're going on the road to Ole Miss, who's undefeated at number 14 this week. 
Tennessee is at number eight. See how long that lasts. But they had a, a pretty impressive final, uh, you know, uh, stand up against uh, Florida. Um, Oklahoma State is going to Baylor. Uh, Oklahoma State's at number nine. Baylor's 16. They stumbled against BYU early, but uh, that should be a, good, a great game. And then probably the most surprising is NC State. Uh, first time in 20 years they've been in the top 10, and they're, the reward for that is they go to Clemson to Death Valley, uh, and Clemson is number five. Um, so we have some really good games coming up this week, uh, and also including Alabama uh, going to Arkansas. Arkansas, I don't know if you guys saw this, but lost basically on the weirdest uh, missed field goal I've ever seen. The ball hit on top of the right post and went straight up in the air. Like it, what? It, it didn't bounce off and backwards. It went straight up in the air and came down on the wrong side. Uh, and A and M was able to squeak by against Arkansas. But that'll be Alabama will get tested again since uh, Texas. Um, so a lot of jockeying going around in uh, early, you know, stages of conference uh, games and foot college football. Uh, I don't think anything has seen that any of us would say that Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. And then you you pick your number four are headed for the the playoffs uh, until until we see something uh, surprising. I think we're still looking at that, which I'm sure that excites you, Bison, because that's what you're all about. Yes, yes. What were you saying? Were you speaking? Were you saying something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to mention Florida because I don't want to rub it in on our poor uh, uh, traveler today. So, about, are there any big ones for next App week? State App State dropped thirty places. With one loss, well, you don't lose to you don't lose to a former president or whatever. To the mighty Dukes, Madison. yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was a bad any loss. big ones that we have to watch next week, Pope? Uh, you may have missed it, but yeah. So Kentucky at Old Miss, undefeated. Okay. Oklahoma State at Baylor. Uh, the biggest game probably is NC State at Clemson, number ten at number five, uh, and then Alabama at Arkansas. So yeah, some good games next week. Good stuff. Anything and else on college, you guys? Hopefully got anything? quick enough for your, you know, college football roundtable. Anybody? Anything else? A swing. No? All right. Well, let's get into a little uh, – I think we got to have a little um, quick hitters here, and let's see if we can tee this up and make this work. Uh, you know, share the old screen here. Well, I think I know what's coming. A good one. Well, we heard a preview a second ago. Yeah. All right, let's do it. And how about now? One pitch. A swing, and there it goes. Left field, way back. That's home run number 700. Pujols hits a three-run homer. And he hit 699 and 700 at Dodger Stadium on September 23rd, 2022. All right. Got to give a little shout out to Albert Pujols, right? Yeah. 699 and 700 in the same game. And as we've been sort of discussing and previewing, it's uh, it's Bonds, Hank Aaron, Asterisk. Babe Ruth. Yeah. And pool holes now. What, what what number of home runs approximately is that for the season? Like how many total has he hit this year? Is he at 20? I think he's around 20. Wow. Yeah. Pretty, pretty impressive, that old man. Impressive. Yeah. Consider if you think back to how awful he was on the Angels for the right? better part of that 10-year deal. Well, I and also, was- he sort of caught fire, you know, two months ago, right? Yep. I think it was you, Bison. I think last year, was he on the Dodgers like for a brief stint? Yeah. Yeah. And Bison writes in a text, can anybody explain to me what they possibly think they could get out of Albert Pujols at this stage? Because he had stunk previously mm-hmm. on the on the on wherever he was before that. And then he got to the Dodgers. And I don't think he did much with them either. Well, no. he, 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 I've read somewhere where he at least got interested in baseball again while he was on the Dodgers mm. and definitely got a resurgence on the cards. Yeah, and, and even the, that resurgence, like I was just saying, I mean, it wasn't until, you know, six to eight weeks ago. I mean, remember, he he had something like eight home runs in, in 
11 days or so he went through some ridiculous uh streak that before that I don't think anybody thought he would get to 700 this year so and and by the way I mean or ever or ever because I I guess he said this is his last season uh and I don't know that this little run has changed his mind on that it seems like this is it for him so um you know but pretty remarkable to have a 700 home run guy. I don't really want to say anything bad about him because he seems like a, a good guy. Uh, you yep. know, you, you always see him um, giving his Jersey to a kid and, and uh, you know, he just seems like he's been a community guy and a good guy in baseball. But does anybody think he was uh, some of those home runs are the product of an earlier era? No, oh, I don't. Really? I didn't think so. I don't think there's been any no. allegations. That's there. Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think what we know is that there was a uh, an era of baseball where I think you almost have to assume it was happening. Uh, and I'm trying to know when did when did he come into the league um, compared to the steroid era? I don't know. I'm I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's got one of those bodies that yeah. Like, He's like Big Frank from the White yeah. Sox. They're just. Big. I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, I, I, I think, think he, that I think he came in the league mentioned. in like 2001. Sounds right. Yeah. He's been here like uh, 21 years. So, you know, the, the steroid era starts, I think it goes back and it, it goes up to, to 2005 or so. Uh, they started uh, testing for PEDs in 2003, but Again, I somebody raised that question to me, and I, I really sort of stopped in my tracks. I think, like all three of you did when I just raised it, because uh, it never was something that I associated with pool holes. You never saw a change. You never saw changes in his appearance at all. That's, that's right. Pretty standard. Remember, yeah, I, remember A Rod when he was on the Mariners? What he looked like? Right. He was like a stick. He was like a tall, yeah. lean, lean guy. Yeah. So I hope that's true because if so, um, it makes him the first significant home run record to distance himself from the steroid era. Right. I mean, that's, that's the first guy that you can celebrate a home run number for and not have to uh, think it's got an asterisk with it. Um, Although that may change tonight. Right. Rooster. Right. I'm, I'm hoping uh, in Toronto that uh, judge judge finally ties it because it seems like, I don't. I don't know. He doesn't seem that like he's that stressed out. But the thing about Aaron Judge is he's not selfish, and so the Yankees haven't clinched the division yet. They've clinched, clinched the playoff, uh, and he's also in a in a triple crown race. So he gets up there and hits two doubles in the game, and the fans are like, uh, they're bummed. You know, he gets walked and they're booing the pitcher. Um, even if he walks in a run, you know, <laughs> I think the fans would rather lose the game at this point and see him hit the home run, but he's not going up there looking to hit home runs. So I, I, I'm starting to get a little nervous. I, I really hope he gets, gets the next two quickly. And then I think he'll get it probably two or three more, maybe five more. He'll get it. Yeah. He'll get it. How many games are left? 12, 12. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Play- he doesn't have it by by like, I don't know, game eight or nine, he might start pressing a little bit. Yeah, I think it's good that he's getting out of New York, going up to Toronto. Yeah, that that's true. So if if you have a guy who um, doesn't have any steroid history, who gets the 700 home runs, and then you have the magic number 61 fall by a guy who, again, no, no connection to steroids, has Major League Baseball put the steroid era behind it then? No way. Let's hope. No way. When you say I mean, behind it, you mean like don't have to worry about anybody else using steroids again, or we just forget about that whole era. No, because we know Tatis was was doing it this year, right? But yeah, but I'm, right. I'm just saying, are the records? You know, do do you do you have heroes power? You know, long ball home run records that are relevant again? Maybe. I mean, the 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 baseball one of the baseball games broadcast that was on this weekend, you've got a a Royd and Barry Bonds yucking it up about, right. you know, getting one more at bat so they could be eligible again to be in the hall of fame. It's going to take, 
it's going to take a generation to like move yeah. on from steroids. It's a you're, shame. You're right about that. I was watching the Yankees game last night and the, uh, Michael K now has this almost like Manning and Manning show going on where the, he's, they're just chatting throughout the whole game. It's annoying as hell. <laughs> and he hit, and he's got a rod and fucking Roger Clements on there. I mean, yeah. to me, it was disrespectful to Aaron judge. Who's never taken a steroid in his life. Yeah. These guys are yucking it up. Like you said, as if they belong in the same conversation right. with Jeter and judge and those guys. You know, one of the reasons I love, I, I really would be shocked to fear that Pujols was on the juice, but one of the reasons I, I'm, I'm pretty happy for him getting that 700 number is you could go across major league baseball and have a hard time competing with a fan base like the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. Always filling that stadium. Uh, They've been perennial winners, even when the team goes up and down in talent and the fans always stand behind them. And I think that city as a fan base deserves that Pujols record. That was pretty cool. Even though it was in LA, LA fans were going nuts for him. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this one on baseball. Who started 2022 with the youngest roster in Major League Baseball? I would think maybe Toronto. Baltimore. The youngest roster to start the 2022 season was one Cleveland Guardians, Hmm. who are now the AL Central Division champs. That's a pretty good story. That's a guy who can flat out coach. Terry Francona has taken so many teams to the playoffs now. And with that team, such a young team, and people were joking about the name, the Guardians and everything. I think, you know, we don't talk a lot about baseball overall, but I think that's a that's a feel-good story for a city that doesn't get a lot of winning to see the Guardians uh, with the new name, with trying to reestablish, you know, a different identity in the playoffs. That's a good that's a good story for and, and unfortunately, Francona probably won't be back next year because his health is so yeah. bad. Yep. How about yeah. the how about the West though in both leagues? The Dodgers have 106 wins, Astros 101. I mean, as much as I hate to tout either one of those teams, they're they've had impressive seasons. I think, well, I, I think I, that you remember last year when we had Giants Dodgers all the way to the end. That was like only thing really keeping people interested in the the division uh, races. I think the only one this year that anybody can look to is the Bre- the Mets and the Braves. Yeah. They're the only one that's within like four games, I think of the lead. Uh, and they have a big series coming up this weekend in Atlanta. So that that'll determine who probably gets the number two seed in the, uh, in the um, national league. I think it's uh, a collision course between the Astros and the Dodgers for the world series. Those two teams oh. have superior, superior talent. Bills, oh. Phillies are still in it though for the wild card. Are you the number one? No, we're we're, we're holding after on the Braves. Now. Number three spot actually. The Padres are now up on us a game and a half, and we're the Phillies are a game and a half ahead of the Brewers. Oh, you're right. You're right. So you got yeah. okay. You got to hold off the Brewers. It's gonna be tough. They're they're both kind of wheezing their way in. The Phillies and the Brewers, you know, not been playing well. But we'll and see. if the season ended today, the Mariners would make it in finally. Yep. Well, we'll we'll have to cover a lot more baseball now because things are going to start getting interesting, and um, you know we'll we'll be covering that as we as we get to the uh, postseason here. Um, all right, Hope, you want to mention the Presidents Presidents Cup? Yeah, I mean it's I'm not going to really get into it. Uh, the U.S. won their like twelfth straight Presidents Cup uh, this weekend at Quail Hollow. Um, they uh, they were well ahead going into the singles and actually internationals kind of rallied a little bit, but uh, U.S. won fairly comfortably. Um, it is a shame, you know, that the golf world is not in unison now because we did miss the competition with Cam Smith and Joaquin Neiman and Answer and a couple other guys uh, for the internationals. But, you know, we would have had DJ and whoever else, Kepka. So, um it it did lost some of its luster over the years anyway, um, but it, you know it, the U.S. team. I guess the takeaway is the U.S. team is really strong going into Ryder Cup next year uh, in Italy. They're looking really good. All right, that was about as interesting as golf can get right now. Quick enough for you. 
<laughs> I, I, I know we're also trying to scratch off tennis, but did you guys watch two minutes of or any part of that doubles match where where Nadal and Federer played together? Nope. There's some pretty good. This was Federer's final, final, final match. They had kind of an exhibition match in New York, and uh, it's it was a good one. It was there was a lot of tears shed and uh, a lot of actually great play. It, there's some, there's some fun stuff. That's actually a cool way to, to go out as play in a double setting against your career rival. That's, that was a pretty good one. Yeah. I watched and I, and I watched uh, his little speech at the end and uh, you know, that was pretty remarkable too. I, that That's worth, if you haven't watched uh Federer's sort of goodbye uh, interview slash comments. Um, it's seven and a half minutes or eight minutes or so. It, it's worth your time just to see a legend like that have his his last moment on the court is uh, is pretty cool and he's earned it. So I, I'd encourage everyone to find that and and check it out. That's as much tennis promoting as I'll do. <laughs> I don't have a punchable face, but if Darth, come on, man. Fans are not yet paying attention to our track record of our successful punches taking people down. The postscript on last week's is the Sarver takedown. Um, he's now got the the Suns and the Mystics, and I guess that's it. Uh, maybe I don't know if it's the arena too, but up for two billion dollars. And it looks like looks like the player's voice is gonna take him out, which is we talked about that a little bit this weekend. The interesting distinction between a situation like the NBA where players on the Clippers can take out Sterling or the Suns can take out Sarver, but a place like, you know, Washington where you've got Snyder and there was, I think Rooster made the very interesting observation. You know, you got just five players there in the NBA who are your starters and your stud in the, in the NFL. It's everybody's pretty much replaceable except for maybe your quarterback. But I, I really hope for Bison's sake in the city of DC that, that they pull a, they pull a Sarver situation between the players and they move him out of there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh it's sport to punch Dan Snyder, but how do we not punch him after all of us going to the game this weekend and just seeing what a debacle that franchise is in? I mean, it, how embarrassing it is. The entire lower bowl on the visitor side was occupied by Eagles fans. I mean, hell, it was louder in there for Eagles than it was for the commanders. The first, the first series, the commanders uh, received, and it was so loud that they, that they had an offsides because Wentz couldn't hear. They couldn't hear his snap count. Then, and- in the third quarter, the you know they put up on the on the display, make some noise. You know when the <laughs> Eagles had the ball, oh, it was and it was dead silent. Not one Commanders fan said a thing because they were really, fed up. They were just done with it. I really honestly believed that there was a tweet from Bison during the game when he <laughs> basically told the Commanders that they had no audio in the stadium on the home side. We couldn't hear if the ref wanted to announce a penalty, anything. Until the third quarter, there was no audio in the stadium. I've never been at anything yeah. like that in any it, sport, sporting event. It, and shout out to uh, to Anji who tweeted and said, "If you're really lucky, you won't be able to see anything." <laughs> <laughs> but we but also I, we witnessed the first, probably in the history of the NFL. We were sitting with somebody who quit his season tickets mid-game, <laughs> canceled right. his membership <laughs> at halftime. I, I mean, you, you got to look. Okay, you guys are really you're trying to get this. You're trying to get me get me going here. I mean. <laughs> This motherfucker, I, I mean, it was 80% of the stadium was green, 80%. And then, you know, on top, they don't do anything right. They don't do anything right. They try and set up this special line for season ticket holders to get to get food and beers and stuff. It took 20 minutes to go get a beer. Uh, one beer, that's it. Not a hot dog, Not nothing that had to be made. They just had to hand a beer over. 20 minutes. And I actually saw two... Uh, team officials on my way back to the seats. And I told them, 
This is a train wreck. Look at the stadium. There was no sound. It's all Eagles fans. It took 20 minutes. So this is a miserable game day experience. Do you know what their reaction was? Not sorry. I, I think I told them at some point I'd had season tickets for 25 years. Not sorry. Not, you know, can we can we get copy of beer? Can we do anything for you? The question was, well, is there anything else? That that's not that's not to your liking, and I said, "How about the fucking score?" Because it was twenty four nothing at halftime. Oh man! And I don't think they. I think it was beside them. I and but but to the bigger point, do you think they say sorry or anything? Nothing, nothing, because they don't care. If there was an owner who gave a shit about his franchise, and he knew this happens every year that the Philly fans travel down. I mean, it's only it's only a two hour drive at worst to get down. You know what you do? You find all the available tickets online, buy them, buy them back if you're the owner. Right. Buy them give, and give them to charity. Give them to local kids. Give yeah. them to kids everywhere. High buy every kids. ticket in the lower bowl so the Eagles fans can't buy them. That's what somebody who gives a shit would figure out a way to do. He's but this cheap. guy doesn't care. He just sees people buying beers. That's all he cares about. And then, you know, he he's gonna he's gonna cook his book so he doesn't even have to give the Eagles owners their fair share of the gate. So yeah, we could punch him in the face, that motherfucker. I think he gets a kick in the dick. Yeah. yeah. That's a knockout. That's a knockout. Yeah. Well, fucker. The best, part of, else? the best part of that experience was the empty parking lot that we were able to get out quickly after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had like our, a whole football field worth of parking lot in the pregame to throw a football. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, anybody else have a punchable face? No. Please, somebody tell me there's a lasso out there somewhere. Uh-oh. Oh, fuck. House, I thought you had one. You would, were texting about it. No, I think we were just recapping for our for our fans that are uh, celebrating the high holidays. Uh, we were texting about an old story about Sandy Koufax, who a lot of people don't know that he was asked to pitch a game in the World Series for the Brooklyn Dodgers, which fell over uh, the Yom Kippur holiday, and he wouldn't take the ball. Uh, and so Ken Drysdale went out to the mound and gave up seven runs for the Dodgers and <laughs> in two and two thirds. Yeah. Early. And, and I think the manager came out and Drysdale, I think Drysdale said something like, I bet you wish I was Jewish too right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. but that was a, a great example though, of what Kofax is all about. Right. True. True, you rarely see things like that these days. That was that was a good one. Okay. And they still won the World Series. Yep. They did. Yeah. Well, I'll give the lasso to Toby this week because uh he was he was a gentleman uh in a sea of assholes yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh I, I don't know why. He could have you could have been as as loud a mouth as you wanted to. It was a home game for you and a away game for me. So <laughs> I'll give I'll give Toby a lasso for his dignity, although there really wasn't anything to be proud of or to be excited about. It was just such an awful, awful uh, game. I'm going to give my award to Carson Wentz because I think I was muted <laughs> out of out of sadness to watch that in person. I, I just think some of the excitement was muted because you could see like this guy. I, I think this is going to be his last year where he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think he's going to be back, back up next year. I really do. I, he I needs think- he needs to get uh, hook, hook up with Jake Plummer and go farm some mushrooms or something because he's terrible <laughs> all right guys anybody got anything else this week good luck to you boys tonight in your game yeah thank you thank you happy birthday pope milk stay yeah, safe. Happy birthday. yeah milk stay safe out there stay
The SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michaeler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison-Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.